you have a Bible, find the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy, and we're going to be in chapter number 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Today is just the second week in a two-part series, so this is the final week in our series. We've been using the phrase, teach us to pray, teach us to pray, and we've taken this phrase, teach us to pray, from something that is right out of the Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 11 says, one day Jesus was praying, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So that's where we get that line, teach us to pray. And last week, we, we talked about how prayer can kind of be intimidating at, time, at times, and prayer can be confusing at times. We're talking about a supernatural God who does supernatural things and works in ways that we can't always understand and we don't always see. And uh, it's okay if you've walked through these doors today and you don't have everything about prayer figured out. That is, that is okay. Or maybe you even feel like you don't know how to pray. One of Jesus' disciples comes up to Jesus and says, teach us to pray. Uh, and, and so last week we talked about some memorized prayers and, uh, and, and some of that and how many of us grew up with that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe prayers are like Hail Marys and those types of things. We've, we've praying the rosary. We, we, we've grew up learning some of that stuff. But I just believe prayer is so much more than just reciting words that we have learned. I believe that prayer is this beautiful, intimate, personal interaction with a living God. And uh, last week, if you were here, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. And uh, that's how Jesus answers the question. The guy says, Jesus teaches us to pray, and Jesus answers with this beautiful thing. Uh, and, but we don't see that as Jesus asking us to recite this word for word in the, in the way that many of us have grown up doing, but as sort of a model of this is how we do that. And so if you missed last week, that was immensely helpful for me to just rethink about this topic of prayer. And you can find all of that stuff. You can watch that on our website, or if you do podcast stuff, you can listen to it and, and those things as well. So, but last week we ended with a challenge. And the challenge was for you to take your next step when it comes to the topic of prayer. For some of us, that was trying to pray even 10 minutes a day. Uh, for some of us, it was, it was uh, finding someone to pray for out loud this week. And I got a message on Monday morning, like 8 a.m. And it was so cool because uh, someone from our church family sent me a message and just, and just said, I just prayed for someone out loud at my work. And she cried. And it was a moment. And it, was, and it just said, wow, what a cool thing. And so this, there's something to this. I'm telling you, find, find opportunities. Look for opportunities to pray for people uh, out of your comfort zone. But I believe as we take next steps, we can watch God move and work in new ways. Okay, that's enough. Let's get to the Bible here. Stand with me all over this place. And let's begin by reading a passage of Scripture. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we're going to begin right with verse number 1. Just reading a couple verses here. Here's what it says. It says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all that is in authority, that, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all people. Let's pray. God, we just open our hearts, we open our minds, we sit on the edge of our seats and just lean into what you would have for us today. 
Uh, God, help us to be the body of Christ and help us to respond to your very word. We love you. We need you. Help me. Use me. Show us things today. We give this to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, here we go. Prayer really is an interesting thing. Uh, and, and I think that most people, when they come to church, and most people who come to churches believe in prayer, we, we believe that prayer matters, right? We, we believe in this idea of, of talking to God, and, and we even believe that prayers are answers, and, and, and we have prayer times during service, and we have people who come up front for prayer and all of that. Uh, but, but listen, like, if we truly believe that prayer matters, if we truly believe that prayer does something, that, that something changes when we pray, then why do we struggle so much to do it? I mean, think about that with me for a moment. If we truly believe that prayer matters and makes a difference, why do we struggle with it so much in the Christian church as a whole? Uh, and I think there are a few different layers to answering this question. First of all, we are so busy. We know that. Uh, we don't have time. We're easily distracted in our culture. And those things absolutely lead to a culture where, where prayer is kind of pushed down on our priority list, even though we believe in it. In this, we, okay? uh, but also, as people who are busy and as people who have a lot on our plate, like we are a little bit more strategic with our time. And with prayer, follow me here a little bit with this, with prayer, we often don't see immediate results, right? And with prayer, you often don't feel something change in the moment. And it can be easy to think and feel that nothing is actually happening when we pray. And by the way, prayer is a spiritual thing, and, and, and we often do not see the, the spiritual impact that prayer has uh, we, want, we want physical impacts when we pray immediately, uh, but, but it often just doesn't seem to happen right away, and so we, uh, it becomes something in our lives that is no longer urgent. Are, are you with me so far? And it just gets pushed lower and lower on our priority list, but scripturally, when you open the Bible and you start studying this topic of prayer, prayer matters. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer is commanded, and it changes things. Like you read the Bible again and again, you see people who are crying out to God for something and you see supernatural things that happen because of this topic of prayer. Prayer moves the hand of God. It changes things. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. And in fact, I was reading a Bible commentary this week about our passage that we're looking at in First Timothy, and the author just made this statement uh, of this commentary. He wrote this, as Christians, our most powerful resource is communion with God. And don't get that confused with taking communion. That's not what that is. Communion with God is simply spending time with Him. It's the time we spend in prayer with a holy and perfect and powerful God, the most powerful resource that we have, is what we see, okay? A few moments ago, we read four verses from the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is a letter that was written by this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote a whole bunch of letters, and we have 13 of them, at least 13 of them in our Bible. 
that were letters that he wrote. Some of the letters he writes to churches, like to groups of people who are worshiping. And some of the letters he writes more to individuals. And that's what we have here in this book called 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote. The reason it's called 1 Timothy is because there's more than one letter that Paul wrote. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, we have those, at least two of them that he wrote. Well, who is Timothy? Because all this will kind of lead us to what we're getting to today. Timothy is a fascinating person in the Bible, sort of Paul's protege is what I would say. Paul was much older than this man named Timothy, and he begins mentoring him in leadership, mentoring him in ministry and this type of stuff. Timothy then becomes the leader or the pastor, of, you could call it, of a church in a city called Ephesus. Uh, this was eventually one of the largest churches that we see in the New Testament, this secular, nasty Greek city uh, where horrible things were happening. And then there's this beautiful church that begins to form. And Timothy begins to be the leader over this, over this entire thing. It's the church that the book of Ephesians was written to is what that is. Timothy is this young leader. And he's faced with all sorts of pressures. He's faced with all sorts of conflict. He's faced with all sorts of cultural stuff around him. And it's very messy. And so Paul then begins to write these letters to him, encouraging him, giving him some instructions as a young leader, helping him with some different things. And that's really what we have. And so 1 Timothy, uh, where we, he starts this letter off with this beautiful encouragement. And then he quickly begins to warn him about these false teachers that are like coming in and out of the churches and making a mess of things uh, and turning people away from Jesus. And then we get to this section where Paul emphasizes the importance of prayer. And that's just what I want us to look at, that section right there. And so here's what he writes, and, and, and we're going to kind of pick this apart even word by word a little bit. Uh, he writes, I urge then first of all that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now, this was written originally in Greek. Uh, all of his letters were. And we have English translations of these ancient letters is what this is. Uh, and and some of these words have like different meanings and that we could be translating them. And so let's just talk through the, a couple words here right away. The word urge, I urge. It's simply, it's a simple word that just means to ask or request earnestly, okay? That makes sense. And then, he, and then we have first of all, which just means before anything else, okay? So understand what Paul has done so far. We're three words, three Greek words into this section of Scripture, and Paul has earnestly requested before anything else. First three Greek words. Are you with me? Nod your head. Okay, you got to wake up a little bit. I know it's nice outside right now, and we think it's summer again because it got above 40 and all that, but like, hang with me. Like, earnestly request before anything else. He's using language here to express how important the next thing that he writes is. That's what's happening right here. I urge before anything else that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. What's interesting about these words right here, petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving, is the first three words on that list all have definitions that are almost identical. He's almost saying the same thing over and over and over again, okay? Petitions 
is just an earnest or urgent request to God, or it's called a prayer. Okay? Prayer, a request made to a deity, is what we have. Intercession, a formal message requesting something that is submitted to a king, usually designating petitions made to God as king. We have petitions has the word prayer. Uh, intercessions has the word petitions in it. We have like the same thing here over and over again. Uh, like scholars don't even try to look at this and explain each individual word. They just all kind of agree. He's saying the same thing over and over again. He's like, he's already said, I urge you above all else, before anything else. And then he says, boom, boom, boom. And he lists the same thing just in a different word. I urge you to pray. I urge you to petition to God. I urge you to intercede to God, to give thanks to God. And then he says, for all people. The point Paul is attempting to remind this young leader, Timothy, of the incredible, massive importance of praying for other people. That we would pray for other people. We take time to do that. And he says, all people, praying for all people. And of course, the word all people means all people. It's very easy to look at that. But quickly, I just want to talk through who's included in all people. Because in some other places in the scripture, we have some other things that show us some of this. Let's start with number one. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, uh, we should pray for the next generation. All right, and I'm gonna give you six things here of what we sh- what, who we should be praying for as people. Pray for the next generation. Uh, like, let's, let's start with this. Parents, pray for your kids. Pray for your children. That there should be nobody else that prays for your children more than you do. Pray for your kids. Your, your kids right now, and specifically, I know we have different stages of life and all this type of stuff. I'm kind of, I'm talking more about the next generation children and teenagers, college kids even. Pray for them. They are facing things that you have never understood. There is stuff happening in the public schools and in, our, in, the, in their lives and in their situations that you do not comprehend. Th- things like pornography is unbelievably, like, it, it's unbelievable. For some of us, you, you grew up in a time where if you wanted to look at pornography, you had to go find a magazine. Kids these days carry it around in their pocket everywhere they go in the form of a phone. It is, it is so different than, than what we grew up with. Even for me, as a 40-something-year-old guy, things are so different with, for my children than they are right now. And so, some of us, I'm, I'm just telling you, like, like you look at the next generation and you have all sorts of thoughts that go through your mind and you're not very happy with the way that they're acting and the way that they're doing things and whatever else. Can we just for a moment stop whining about the next generation and start crying out to God on their behalf? Like, come on, somebody. What good does it do for us to, 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 to whine to each other about how the next generation is whatever and whatever? Come on, let's be the people of God and let's do something about this. And crying out to God on their behalf is the number one thing we should begin to do. Pray for your children. Pray for the next generation. Cry out to God for them. Psalm 145, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. 
Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. This, this scripture talks about telling them, but the implication here and the scriptural basis for this is that one generation passes on a love for God to the next. And, then, and we teach them and we show them and we tell them and we do all of that type of stuff, but we pray for the next generation We pray for the next generation that they would find Jesus, that they would serve Jesus. We pray for our children in the next generation. Amen? Come on. Number two, number two, we should pray for people who are spiritually lost. (coughs) Pray for people who are spiritually lost. In our passage of scripture today, where we were looking at 1 Timothy, uh, where Paul's teaching the church and, and telling them to, to pray. Paul throws out this statement. He just says, I urge you to pray. I urge you to pray. Pray for all people. And then what does he say? He says, God wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to come to a knowledge of him. It's not the only we, reason we pray. There's other biblical things and reasons we pray. But, but like, uh, there, there is no question that people who are spiritually lost and far from God should be part of our prayer. Every person is created by God in the image of God. You understand that every single person, who, no matter who they are or what they've done or where they come from or what color their skin is or any of this type of stuff, no matter who they vote for or, or what they currently believe or don't believe, just understand God created them. And he created them in his image. And deep down, God just, he, 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 he hungers and thirsts for his creation to come back to him. Every last one of them. When you pray, pray for your coworkers who are far from God. By name, pray for them. Pray for them. When you pray, pray for, the friend, pray for your friends at school that are so far away from where God would have them be. Pray for them, for the students on your basketball team with you. Uh, like when, when you pray, pray that in some way God would show himself to them. Pray that something would happen to them spiritually. Pray for that. See, some of us in this place, you have people in your mind, the friends of yours and family members, and you think they're the last person in the world that could ever be transformed by God, that, that could ever respond and give their life to God. Can I just tell you that I, like I've been working and dealing with people around the world in different ways, and I have multiple people, who, Muslim people even, who have had dreams of Jesus and things have changed for them. Like God does supernatural things as we begin to pray and cry out for the lost people. And that's the phrase that Jesus would use. He talks about uh, the sheep and, and, and the lost sheep. And the implication is people who are far from God are lost, spiritually lost in that way. We pray for that, that God would use us to speak life into them, that God would bring someone else into their life at just the right time, in the right moment. Pray for those who are spiritually lost. C- can I just tell you that this was something that the church and that Christians used to do a lot more than they do now. Like, I, I just grew up in some places and around some people that this was just what we did, is we prayed. We prayed for people who are far from God, and I just don't see it as much in the church these days. And when I say church, I mean like big church, not just ours. Uh, okay, 
Uh, we need to be a place where, people, where we cry out to God on behalf of those who do not yet know him. That's number two out of six. All right, we're getting somewhere, I promise. Number three, write this down. We pray for those with specific needs. All right? Uh, you're like, yes, I know that. That makes sense. Uh, and we understand this. We have connection cards we write prayer requests on. Uh, we pray for other people, people we know with cancer and people we know with rocky marriage situations and people who've lost their job, family members who are struggling with mental illness, anxiety, depression. You understand what this means. Uh, but so often, here's what happens. So often we have people that come up to us with a need and they share something. And as good Christians, we respond by saying, yes, I'll be praying for you. But we don't. <coughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? And the world just gets whatever happens. And we just walk around telling everyone that we're going to pray for them. But as a whole, we just don't do it. Can I challenge you today to stop lying to your friends? Like either stop telling them you're going to pray for them and just be honest. They, they'll come up and say, my life is falling apart. And you're like, someone else will pray for you. Or you got to do it. You have to pray. <clears throat> don't lie to them and tell, your, tell people you're going to pray and then don't. Let's be people who pray for the needs and pray for that. Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about, in, about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And we read this, like a passage like this, and, and it can come across like, I'm crying out to God for my needs, and that's definitely in this. But scripturally, there's just no question that this same idea should be applied to the body of Christ. And in every situation, by, by prayer and petition, and prayer and petition are kind of the same again, we should be presenting our request to God for the people around us. Praying for one another. Let's be people who pray for others, sincerely pray for others and their needs. I'm going to do some, something awkward here and put a cough drop in my mouth because I'm about dying. You can turn to your neighbor and say, this is kind of awkward, and I don't know what to do about this, so now you're going to heal that thing chanking on my teeth when I'm talking to you. Uh, but that's all right. Pray for others and their needs. Number four, pray for spiritual leaders. <clears throat> and listen, this isn't just because I'm technically a spiritual leader, but I do, I do envy and cover your prayers. Uh, being a pastor is hard. Being a pastor is hard. And we deal with people at some of their lowest moments. And we deal with angry people every week because we don't always do a great job being the body of Christ. And people are hurt. And, and we miss things. And we face pressure. And we face attack sometimes even in a spiritual way. And things are, things are hard. Things are tense a lot. And I don't say that so that you would give pity or empathy or anything like, like that, but I do just covet your prayers. Uh, we see this again in Paul's letters as he travels to share the gospels, to share the message. Again and again, he's asking people to pray for him. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, pray for us. This is what Paul is saying. Pray for us 
that the word of the Lord will go forward quickly and be glorified as it has among you, that we may be rescued from evil and wicked people. Not all you see have faith. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, he writes another letter. Devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. As Christians, we should be praying for spiritual leaders. And I would even say this, especially our missionaries, that that should be if you, if you care about the cause of Christ and if you care about what's happening around the world, you should be praying for missionaries, people who have left our church family to go where God has called them to be around the world. We have missionary partners in some of the most difficult places that you could ever imagine. And if you talk to these missionaries, you know what they'll say? First, what we need is prayer. We need prayer. We need you to pray because we are in a dark place and we're in a place that seems hopeless and it's only by the power of God that anything really happens here. And so we should be praying, we should be praying for our missionaries. We have missionary partners in China right now, in India right now, in Turkey, in Oman, some of these places you don't even know, in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, uh, some of the most difficult places that you could ever imagine. Okay, we must pray that the gospel message goes forth to the ends of the earth and that missionaries would be effective. This is scriptural that we would pray for that. Number five, we're almost done. Unless I go on a rant on this one. Then we need more time. We should pray for those in authority. We should pray for those in authority. And for some of us, these few minutes are going to be difficult because you have very strong opinions on some of the leaders in our government and some different things. But we see this in our passage of scripture today. I urge you then, first of all, petitions, prayer, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people. Now, this is interesting. Who does he include in all people? For kings and all those in authority? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. Uh, yeah, but Paul lived a long time ago. He didn't know that our leaders would be pushing for abortion. He didn't know stuff like that. Can I just explain something to you? Paul wrote 1 Timothy from the Roman Empire at the beginning of one of the most difficult times and places to be a follower of Christ in the history of the world, at least from a government perspective. The Roman emperor was a man named Nero. Nero is famous in history for murdering lots of people, many of which who were Christians. Nero is the one who's going to start, out, start burning Christians at the stake and feeding them to lions in the Colosseum. This is who Nero is. Nero would uh, burn down half of the city of Rome, blame it on the Christians in his quest to extinguish Christianity from the Roman Empire. Okay? This is 30 to 35 years after Jesus has been crucified and all of that type of stuff. Paul says, I want you to pray for Nero. Pray for him. I want you to pray for the man who is responsible for how things are playing out in your land. I want you to pray that God would change his heart. That God would save him. This isn't praying that God puts another leader in place. This isn't even what this is. This is praying that God would radically change that leader. Because by the way, God wants even Nero to be saved. 
and come to a knowledge of the truth. I don't, I don't care what your thoughts, on, thoughts are about Joe Biden and Governor Walls. Right now, that's not this conversation. I, I don't care, okay? I got, I got my own thoughts, and that's okay. But at this moment right here, that's not, that is not even relevant to this conversation in any sort of way. As a follower of Christ, you should be praying for them. You should be praying that God radically transforms their heart, that God radically changes them. Why? Because they are, not only are they created by God, but they are in such, such incredible position to move things forward in a positive way. If God would get a hold of their life, we don't need a new leader. We need God to transform our leaders. And someone's going to write me an email saying I'm a Democrat. And it's like, <laughs> okay, so just, just stop it, please. Like, just, if, if, if you walk out of here thinking that, that, that this is some political thing that I'm, like, like holding up a sign, and like, you have missed this. This is God telling us to cry out on behalf of the leaders in our land. And, and for some of us, this is absolute, absolutely ridiculous because your hatred runs that deep. And that brings us to the final point, straight out of the mouth of Jesus. We should pray for our enemies. Matthew chapter 5, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I don't know what that means when we use that word enemies. I don't know what people in our world, you borderline hate in a way, people you're afraid of, people that bring all sorts of emotion and feelings out of you, even when you think about this certain person or whatever, people of different ethnicities, people of different religions and denominations, people of different political beliefs than you have. This could also be people who have hurt you, uh, done horrible things to you. Like Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you, you cannot convince me otherwise. That we should be praying for the people that we can't stand. We should be praying for the people that you just cannot fathom why and how they believe what they believe. You should be, instead of just instead of gathering together to gripe about them, you should be, we should be gathering together to pray for them. This is a scriptural, Christian, beautiful thing to learn to do. And it is tough. It is tough. Close your eyes and begin to pray for the person that you can't stand. And to not pray that God would smite them, but that God would truly do something supernatural in their heart and in their life. And this is us as a body of the body of Christ moving closer and closer to what it means to be true followers of Jesus. Jesus who gave his life for everyone, for all. It's an incredible thing. Music team, will you please come? I want to ask you to stand with me all over this place. The picture that we see in the Bible is that as Christians, this battle that we face is not against 
flesh and blood and physical things, but we are in a battle against spiritual things all the time at every corner. We can't see it. We can't always feel it. You don't always know that it's there, but there is something happening behind the scenes at every moment of every day. We have an enemy that is attempting to kill, steal, and destroy you and your family, us and this nation. And in a big picture, the entire human race, he's trying to bring us down. He's trying to take us out. He wants to keep you complacent and apathetic and not praying because he understands that the greatest thing that the body of Christ can do to defeat him is to cry out to God. And yet we live in a culture where we walk around saying, I'll pray for you, and we just don't. And we say we believe in the power of prayer, but as a whole, we pray very little. And this should not be a moment where we're filled with guilt, where we're filled with shame for not living up to maybe what we should, but this should be this beautiful moment where the Holy Spirit grabs our arm, grabs our hand, and says, let's move forward together. And we celebrate as we learn, and we begin to pray, and we pray for one another, and we pray for the next generation, and we cry out on behalf of the next generation. And we're gonna do that tonight when we gather together. We're gonna pray even for these six things, publicly, just kind of corporately, praying for God to work, praying for the needs of other people, praying for the people that we kind of hate, praying for people in authority. We're going to stand, if, 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 you can't, if you can't pray with us for Joe Biden and God to transform his heart and his life, you're going to have a hard time tonight because we're gonna cry out on his behalf. We're gonna pray for the authorities and the people and the enemies and all of that. And my question, I guess, for today is just what does this look like in your life to take a step in this direction where we, we begin to be people of prayer in a different way, in a different level. God, we come to you today believing in you and believing that you work, believing in prayer. And I pray, oh God, that you would teach us to pray. Thank you, God. We pray for the next generation. We pray for people who are spiritually lost. We pray for needs of the people around us, needs of people in our church family and our families. We pray for spiritual leaders. We pray for those in authority. We pray for our enemies. It gets harder as you get farther on that list, doesn't it? But God is calling us to move forward. God is calling us to take steps in this direction, to be people of prayer in a different way, at a different level. And that's the challenge. Because the challenge is not to just hear a service and sermon and kind of be moved emotionally but to actually walk out these doors with a plan, with something changing, with you making this a priority and I'm making this a priority in my life. 
with no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection, I just want to maybe give somebody an opportunity to respond to this message of Jesus. Maybe even for the first time. Your sin has caused issues. My sin has caused issues between me and God, between you and God. It's why he sent Jesus to die for you. It's the beautiful story of the gospel, even though you didn't deserve it. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't go to church enough and give enough money and be a good enough person. It's only through the blood of Jesus and the grace of God that we are forgiven, that we are made right. And God has, in a way, given us a gift. He's opened a door. But at some point in your life, you need to walk through it and say yes to what he has done. It's not about being baptized or confirmed or going to church. That's not what this is. There's a moment that you, where you as a person, as an individual, need to make a decision for yourself of, am I going to accept this? And maybe you're here today and you'd say, I've never accepted this message. I've never accepted this gift that Jesus is, that God has given through Jesus. And I want to do that today. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. I just want to pray for you. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond. It's a heart thing between you and God. It's a beautiful moment deep down where you respond. Anyone in this place that would just lift up a hand, nobody's looking, we're just going to pray and say, this is my day, this is my moment. Church, let's just say a prayer together. We, we do this every week, but understand, like these aren't magic words. It's this heart thing deep down, deep down within you. It's this moment between you and God, but let's just pray this. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, will you put your hands together? Let's just celebrate.